Cannon Cruisers, I'm JD. And I'm Randy, bitch! And today we're here to talk about a movie, two movies this time, called Nightmare on Elm Street and Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Yep, welcome back to our second annual Halloween special. Second annual, yes. It's um, just a bonus little episode for you guys. Uh, hope you enjoy it on this uh, Halloween. Halloween. Yes, we put it out on Halloween because that's the best time to put out fun Halloween treats for people who like to watch or listen to people talk about horror movies. And this time, last time we talked about uh, Halloween, the first three movies, specifically the original two featuring Michael Myers, and the third one, which was entirely unrelated, but we wanted to talk about it anyway. Happy, happy Halloween, yeah. Halloween, Halloween. Yep, that's the one. This time we decided to do it a bit differently. We did the first and the third Nightmare on Elm Street movies because these are the ones that actually involve Wes Craven in them. And, they and because of, they tell a closed story Yes, they together. actually do. A duology. Yes, they do. Yeah, the only other one he did after this was A New Nightmare, which was kind of a post-Scream satire film. So it's we might cover, cover that one on another date, but for now we're just going to talk about these two. So to start off, we're going to start off with the 1984 classic. Mm-hmm. Wes Craven's A Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street, yes. Not the remake, the original. This one was... Give one us our of... plot and I'll, uh, I'll give a little okay. bit of a... Well, if anybody doesn't know the plot of Nightmare on Elm Street, it's about a, a bunch of kids who are terrorized by a boogeyman in their sleep. And eventually, one of them decides to uh, fight, fight back, back against them. Featuring a babby Johnny Depp. Yes. And, in his first starring film role. Yes. Um, as well film. as, uh, what's her name? Heather Lankenkamp as our lead Nancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the main role that she'll forever be known for. Oh, definitely. Uh, Amanda Weiss as their friend Tina. Mm-hmm. And, um, do do I can never pronounce his name. I have to actually look for it because I don't give him top billing on this one here. The fourth friend. Yeah. Nikki Corey as Rod Lane. Yep, the, the guy that looks about twenty years older than all the other teens in this film. film. Yeah, and and this and this movie is... and the top build two people we forgot most importantly. Mm -hmm. John Saxon as Lieutenant Donald Thompson, Nancy's yep. father, who has the most important role in the film, mm. and last but least, Robert Englund as yes. Fred Krueger. Yeah, in the first movie, he's only listed as Fred Krueger, not the infamous Freddy Krueger. That only comes in the sequels. I think the second one even has Freddy in the title, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the second movie is A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yeah. Electric Boogaloo. I mean, uh, Freddy's Revenge. Yeah. Anyway, this one was kind of the original one. It helped start the whole slasher phase in the 80s. It was kind of the, one of the biggest ones with, um, what's it called? Um, Halloween. Friday the 13th, that's it. And uh, the other one was, like you said, Halloween. But Halloween was several years earlier, and it was kind of before. For... And, and that was John Carpenter, as we had talked about previously, trying to do his take on a psychotype film. Which is actually kind of what this one 
really yes. is. So this movie, well, yeah. going on to impressions, I was surprised by, well, rolling back a little bit here. I yeah. have never seen a, Fri- a, a Freddy movie. I've never seen one of these films. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised at this film because it's just a fun film in many ways, but it's mm-hmm. not overly gory, like not overly mm-hmm. violent as you would think. Um, modern In modern times, this movie would be a PG-13 except for some swearing. Yeah, it would be. And actually. that's about it. There's no nudity. There's copious amounts of blood, but yeah. not any gore. No. Which surprised me because it's like for some reason in my head, I always seen these movies as like these really gore hound type films. Yeah, that's that's the thing that uh, got me about it. The same thing with like what we said when we saw Halloween. It's probably because John Carpenter, just like Wes Craven, wanted to create a monster movie. There's a lot of things in this in these movies that are kind of callbacks to those types of movies. The way they're shot, the way the films are framed, uh, the shots are framed, even the way some of the characters act. They're very similar to old monster movies, like black and white. They're yeah, not and, made to just have people get killed. And yeah, it's, it's not made to be people killed. There's literally two deaths in this film, three, three deaths in this film. Yeah, uh, and not a lot of, like I said, not a lot of blood. And this is like the proto Fred Krueger, mm-hmm. in that there's no quippiness about him. There's not a lot of that humor camp about him. No, he's just kind of this presence that's very uh, intimidating and it's very, very creepy. creepy and uh, creepier by some of the practical effects if you will such yeah. as the really long arm scene where it's obviously two men with fishing poles holding his arms and doing puppetry to him yeah there's a lot of practical Oof. effects it's actually quite like i said it's not what you would expect if you seen one of the later movies or seen you know the crossover with um jason those types of movies or even anything else in the 80s that came after this this was kind of a, just a monster movie, really. This is before this was Freddy Krueger yelling bitch after everything. <laughs> yeah. Which immediately brings to mind that character on Rick and Morty, which is making fun of that fact, where even he'd be like, Good day, bitch! It's, yes. that's, this is the level yeah. that he's... He's not there yet. He's, he's actually kind of I'm a main scary. Bitch. Yeah, he's kind of scary mm-hmm. at this point, but not really. Kind of like Michael Myers in the original Halloween. He's just kind of a presence. And it's actually really ingenious. Until they, you know, kind of ruin it in the follow-ups. But that's So would you say that's our impressions of this uh, film right now? For the original movie, I'd say, uh, yeah. When I originally saw this movie, I was kind of surprised at it. Because, you know, you have impressions. If you've seen 80s horror movies, you know what to expect. We've watched them on Cannon Cruisers, a few of them already. Oh, yes, we've watched a few of them on Cannon Cruisers already. this one, like Halloween, is not really like them, and it's probably why we tend to enjoy them more than those ones. So, with that out of the way, let's move on to our lowlights of this film. The lowlights of the first movie—that's kind of—that's kind of tough for for um, a horror movie when you look at lowlights, especially when it's a, a well-done one. Wes Craven is let's not put, really. Let's a put it this hack. way: this isn't schizoid this isn't well, a hospital massacre this that's isn't what I, um, that's what i mean like john carpenter Wes craven's not a hack so when he does something bad it's very noticeable when it's bad and when he does when he does something well it's kind of hard to find fault with it you kind of have to nitpick a bit and maybe in this one would be i don't know what to say for this one what would you say randy well, I I usually go to my my pacing, but the pacing is pretty flawless in this film. It has it, it felt like it went by so fast, um, and with that in mind, it is only a ninety minute film, ninety one mm-hmm. minute film. 
but I have a hard time finding a real low point in a movie. I guess it could be that it's very much not a quippy film. It's not a quotable film. Not really. um, it's not a very frightening film. Maybe it was for the time, but it's like in in, 19, in 2018, at the age of 30... How old am I again? 34? I'll uh, go with 48, just for fun. Yeah, no, 34. 34. It's, like, it's not really a scary film. It's not very gory. So it's like, there's not a lot to have people come here like... Oh, we're going to watch horror movies and we're going to be scared. This movie's not a scary movie. To be fair, horror movies in general are kind of of their time when they're trying to be yeah, scary. Yeah, I'll that's say that. That's why when it comes to a good horror movie, it's just one that's enjoyable. That kind of just kind of creeps you out a bit, maybe. You can't really be like, scared. Like, there is a tension to this film. There is a lot of interesting ideas in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I said, it's like really the, the low point of the film is that the fact that it's, it's barely even a horror film. I, I could very movie. much see this movie being a PG-13 film. Yeah. this That's the thing with horror movies in general, though. It's kind of hard. It's, when, it's, even when they're done well. It's, it's like, yeah, because it, 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 in some weird, strange ways. They don't have a long Regardless of some sexual uh, imagery, like literally imagery mm-hmm. and metaphor and everything like that, this movie isn't very in your face. It's not, no. it's, it's not uh, what is I'm looking for, transgressive? Like, it doesn't... Not really. Like you said, for these types of movies, when only three people end up, or four technically end up dying... And it's a very tight cast, and, even. Yeah, just like in the original Halloween, when about 40 minutes go through and not one person dies, and then all of a sudden, bam! It's kind of well-paced, well good tension. So then you're, you're kind of in agreement that this movie yeah. is just kind of like a, like a low point. It's just it's not a very horrifying movie. That's... Kind of my thing with horror movies in general, honestly. It's hard to maintain a long shelf life on them. Honestly, I think it might be a good movie if you're first starting out and you're trying to ease people into horror films. Yeah. It might be a fairly decent one. I think this would be a good one to start because with. Because it kind of walks the line of being like almost um, a fantasy film in many ways. Because yeah. it's all about traveling into dreams and fighting the demon the dreams, that you're fighting against. The dream thing is a unique uh, concept for uh, this sort of thing. High point of the film is that mm-hmm. it's a very, very tightly written script mm-hmm. everything happens for a reason it's yeah. like even the stuffs that are kind of weird and out there are very much dream logic leading up to this really weird twist that you kind of see coming but you kind of don't at the end oh yeah the, the thing with the uh, the ending is when you know it was kind of brushed off a bit in the sequel if you noticed was how it was kind of one of those twist endings where he's still alive that was the studio they wanted them to be they wanted very to explicit. But the way I'm reading it and going into the second film, the third film we're going to be doing in a minute, mm-hmm. is that when... So the move... Okay, so the ending of the movie is she defeats... Freddy. Freddy. Yeah. After he, after he kills her mom and he tells her that... She tells him that, I don't have to believe in you. This is all have been nothing but a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And then she steps to the door and she's awake and everybody's alive and they're happy. Yeah. The end... And then she gets into a car and as the car's pulling away, all the doors lock, yeah. windows go up. And the car changes coloring to match Freddy. Yeah. What I read that, not so much as Freddy lives, mm-hmm. is that this is an actual nightmare now that she's having. Yeah. And that's that's more of what I read it of. Not like that she she lost, but more that she this is an actual nightmare. Well, yeah, because uh, the other ending wouldn't have made a whole sense. And that's not what Wes Craven does, if you noticed, when he does these movies. He always has rules. And that's one of the things he parodied in Scream later on, is that he's very strict about rules. So when they wanted him to do an ending where you have to say he's still alive, he basically said, I don't want to do that because it kills my whole rule set. So what he did instead was he kind of had a vague ending in this one. And he kind of had a vague in the third one, but that's for later. 
and he he figures that if you have a confrontation and you have rules and somebody wins out they have to win out because if you cheat them out cheat out the audience they're not going to be happy and that's a big problem with a lot of horror movies honestly is if you feel cheated you're not going to be enjoyed but at the same time it's i will also go back to that that ending where it's also kind of like a screw you to realize that the whole movie had been a nothing but a nightmare the entire time mm -hmm. that nothing has actually happened yeah and which obviously turned out not to be the case that it turned out to be both true and not true. Mm. So, if you noticed all her friends what, what, were there. What would you? What would then be your highlight of the film? Then, if mine is like the tightly written script, the tight pacing, the tight. Mine is that I like the the way I like the main character. Honestly, yeah, I was surprised by uh, the the one who played uh, Nancy Heather. Is it Heather? I said her name. Yeah, uh, Heather Lang Langenkamp. I'm yeah, actually her. surprised by her in many ways. Yeah, it was the way she dealt with uh, everything in the movie. And if you noticed, because if you remember... She looked very young and she looked very vulnerable, but she really confronted everything. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing, is that she saw her friends die and she saw that there was little she could do about it, but she still tried to face this very creepy guy in yeah. her dreams that nobody And, and I'm just stop. laughing at how worthless Johnny Depp was in this movie. Yeah, he really every, was. Every, just like, every time you would expect to depend on Johnny Depp playing Glenn, he would just fall asleep. Yeah, he was basically playing Johnny Depp. <laughs> Just falling asleep on the job. But uh, yeah, as I said... Too I really... busy being undercover with those teens in his uh, 21 Jump Street days. Yeah, I really I really enjoyed this this film overall, though. So what would you uh, rate this one? Out of five, if you had Um, to. We left out the best line, which is the, which is the greatest line of this film. Which is? What are dreams? And to which the doctor replies, a mystery. Yes, and then Randy went on a really long speech after that that made no sense. Because yeah, I, I, I riffed on that for a couple of minutes, but it's like... <sighs> What are dreams? A mystery. I'm not going to do it right now, but that's, yes. that's it. Please don't. Have you seen Chloe with the stars streaming from her mouth? Yes, I, I get it. And the flames flowing from her eyes. Yeah. Okay, um, so score-wise, mm -hmm. I'm leaning more towards a five, but I'm I'm not sure. It's like I said, it's like there's something you know, if I'm lacking. Gonna, if I'm going to go with a, with a, a horror movie like this, um, I'm going to do what I gave Halloween and I'm just going to give it uh, a four. Just because um, it's very inventive and it's very enjoyable, but it just comes just short of really knocking it out of the park, and it's probably because of, as we've just said before, it's it's the, not it's not the tension is there, but there's not really any horror to it. It's not. Very, it's hard for horror movies to really stick with me along. It's both time. simplistic but also yeah. complicated. The film. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I said I'm leaning towards the five, but at the same time, it's like there's something missing. Yeah. So for this one, I will agree with you. I will go a four on this one. Yeah, it's. I highly recommend this one if you like or don't even really have ever watched these types of movies. I would recommend watching this one because it actually is very enjoyable and it's probably one of the best of its kind of its era. And with that, let's move on to A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Yes. If the you, Dream Warriors. And if you noticed, we skipped over 2 entirely. 2 is actually a cult classic, but quotation it's, it's also as with most cult classics, a critical and I think almost a box office failure. Yeah, they cranked this one out after the original because they wanted to capitalize. Um, Wes Craven had absolutely zero to do with it, and it's just a typical slasher movie. It doesn't have anything to do with the third movie or even the first movie. And it also has the not notoriety of being one of the most homoerotic horror films out there next to uh, the, the early 2000s Jeeper Creepers 2. And that's the last time you'll ever hear us mention Jeepers Creepers 2 here, because it's Jeepers Creepers 2. I have never seen it. I just know that fact about it. You don't need to see it. 
And yeah, this one was originally written by Wes Craven. He didn't direct this one, but he was involved in it. It was written by Wes Craven with the script more closely resembling what would become Wes Craven's new nightmare. Yeah, he was... And then this was rewritten by um, by a couple of people. It was actually rewritten by somebody who is rather famous of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Frank Darabont uh, yeah. rewrote, the, rewrote part of this script. And to bring it more in line with the um, studio's vision of it, yeah. but also keeping Wes Craven's idea that this was the final film for Freddy. Yes, it, was, uh, it follows on from the original movie. It doesn't really reference the second movie except to say that there were still more deaths after the original movie, which... So what else would you do? So the screenplay was initially written by Wes Craven, rewritten by Bruce Wagner and mm-hmm. Frank Darabont with Chuck Russell, who also directed the film. Yeah, and you can you can tell it has more. Um, it has more character more to character it, more. To, yeah. And this is where you're actually starting to see. Oh, I'm just jumping right in there. Well, yeah. give them the plot first, and I'll jump in there. Yeah, the plot is years after the original event, kids are still uh, dying in the Elm Street area because of dreams. Nobody knows why, and. A lot of the survivors, the only ones left, basically, last kids on Elm Street, as they were called. Yeah, are in a psychiatric ward. In a psychiatric ward, and they're under observation. So, what we had forgot to mention when we were talking about the plot of the original is that, Mm -hmm. big spoiler, the reason why Freddy was hunting these kids to begin with is Mm -hmm. that he was a child murderer who got off on a technicality. So, the police officer and his family and a bunch of other families on elm street got yeah, together yeah. set him on fire yep. and burned him alive in his own furnace and with their vigilante justice they burned and, him alive and then hid his body yeah and he wanted to enact his revenge on the ones who killed him yeah so the plot of this movie is is that he's he wasn't defeated in the first movie no she just he wasn't off. defeated in the second movie that we're not talking yeah. about and has has made a return once more to finally force the children that remain to suicide specifically yeah the the way they did it was basically kind of increasing the stakes because in the first movie he was after her specifically by the end because she was the last of the four of them yeah but she found a way herself to fight him off and that's why she was able to basically you know move on go to grad school and all that and she comes back basically to help everybody else who is left behind and yeah. try to teach them how to do it. And that. here's also another interesting cast again. So mm-hmm. in this movie, you get you go from having the likes of Johnny Depp to having the likes of uh, Craig Wasson playing or Wesson playing mm-hmm. Doctor Neil Gordon, uh, the main psychiatrist on the at the ward, yeah. and who's about looks like twice her age, but probably isn't that much more older than her. Uh, Patricia Arquette playing a very, very young Patricia Arquette. Very young. Playing, uh, I guess it would be the lead teen, Kristen yeah. Parker, who in the original script was called Kirsten. Mm-hmm. And you still see a goof in the movie where she refers to herself once as Kirsten. Ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken Sagos as Roland Kincaid, a man, a, a teenager with anger and violence issues. Yep. Um, Rodney Eastman playing Joey Crusel, who uh, after being traumatized by the events... Can't speak. Yep. Um, Jennifer Rubin as Taryn White, a teen who had drug problems. Yeah. And sorry, there's a lot of people to go through on here. Um, but the one you probably recognize is a guy named Larry Fishburne. Yeah, one Larry Fishburne, as seen in our previous podcast on uh, Death Wish Two, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it was Death Wish Two. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also um, another 
teenager, but I can't find her name. Oh, Pen Penelope uh, Sidro as Jennifer Caulfield. And I Ira Heaton as Will Stanton. Yeah, it's kind of like the way you would expect a sequel where it kind of... There's, it, it, has, a, it has a lot of people Increased stakes, increased cast, increased um, scope, you know, basically. But it still feels in line with the original film. And this movie very much is where what I see Freddy as mm. is very much cemented in it. You get the quippiness, you get the... Yeah. You start getting some of the gore. It doesn't go over the top in it, except for mm. one scene that had me cringing. Yeah, um, and this is also where, well, I'm going to call it right now, probably was the best line of the, the thing, the most iconic line, if you will. Yeah. Welcome to prime time, bitch! Yeah. Originated from. Yeah. that's this is Which where was, from what I understand, was a uh, improv by uh, Robert Englund. Yeah, he has a bit more, uh, more, more, bit more quippy in this one. He's a very campy in this film. But it kind of makes sense because, as I said, you can't just keep him the same as the original. He, film. He's literally like skipping, and he's very much like and it kind theatrical. Of, it kind of film. works with this one, considering the location it takes place in, where people there it's around people who aren't all there mentally. So he has to kind of match that, and he does play with them a bit with it That's, a little bit more. Yeah, so that kind of makes more sense. And um, the my only problem that's really cool. Well, let's get into this thing for low light of this. I guess would say it's like my only real problem with it is that a lot of the dreamscapes are just like generic hellscapes, rundown houses. It's all very bland. Well, it uh, does kind of work thematically with it works thematically, kind but, of a, but it's not really dreamy. Not really, but it feels more like a final encounter, kind of like an apocalyptic counter because it kind of is one. It. There's an obvious um, reference to the battle of good and evil in this one, and a special reference to the way Freddy was born, which is pretty which spoilers gross. is once again he's a child of rape. Yeah, which and insanity, which is why he carries it over into obviously the way he is, the way he is. But like I said, um, one of the main characters, or not, I shouldn't say main character. One of the side characters is a nun who constantly references the battle of good and evil. And at the same time, there's several points in the film where they have to use crucifixes and holy water to deal with Yeah, Freddy. because as this nun, the Sister Mary Helena, keeps mm -hmm. telling uh, Dr. Neil uh, Gordon, mm -hmm. you have to get him to... So the whole entire thing, to defeat Freddy, they have to get his remains to hollowed ground. Yeah. And that leading to the icon a very iconic uh, moment in the film where they're fighting his possessed skeleton in a, uh, uh, what do you call it, junkyard? Yeah. Car junkyard? No, that was an interesting scene because he had to go back and forth between the dream world and his yeah. other world. Because he literally comes back and possesses his own burned skeleton, his charred yeah. remains. And just to give you a humongous spoiler, that sister mm -hmm. is the go 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 ghost yep. of Freddy's mother, Amanda Kruger. Yeah. Is trying to come back to have them finally put him to rest, yes, so that he can go on to his punishment. Yes, which um, spoiler alert, they succeed in the end. They bury him in maybe. Ground. Well, that's if that's a maybe. It's not one of those typical eighties. Oh, you didn't you didn't get him. This one's like mm, maybe. You mean it's not like the ending of Scream Three where they literally leave a door open for a sequel? Yeah, that was pretty stupid. Eh? Eh? But that was scream yeah this one they left the porch light on for a sequel yeah and this one it's uh, it's however you want to interpret it but the way they left it open was basically the way Wes Craven would have wanted it to be 
it's a, it's a closed door in that it's a logical conclusion to the events of the first movie. That's really the only way you could end it and escalate the uh, the tension of the first film. Yeah, so that, that would be my, to go back to my original point. The low lights is just really... I didn't really like the dreamscapes this time around. It, they weren't as interesting. They mm. were... I guess they had a little bit more of a budget to work with, so they wanted to show that. Well, which leads, of... led to one of the more gorier sequences where one of the uh, teens who likes to build puppets yeah. has all his tendons and uh, veins pulled out and his march to his own death through yeah. locked doors uh, as a marionette. Yeah, there's a big... There's also, uh, on, if you notice, also a scene where he walks through the, the door and none of the adults even question it. They yeah. just kind of assume... Well, he just got out there. He got out to the lock ward. Because a lot of this also is about, um, the, it's also be, it's also a big theme in the films is not believing what you see and believing what you don't see because a lot of the people in the film didn't really believe them when they were telling them. And even when weird things happened like that, they didn't even stop to question it. They just said, well, he found a way to get through it and he killed himself. Yeah, they it's, didn't a lo- care. it's a lot about the, uh, almost like the parents and the adults are being villains because it's like, yep. or, or being just like very hopeless that they they don't believe anything yeah they won't they won't own up to what they did they won't own up what they did and and every single person that was involved in it are a wreck of themselves that that for their for their uh part in the in the death of uh of fredward kruger i mean freddy kruger Kruger. yeah which comes about into the end when um when um mancy's father from the first movie spoiler alert he returns in this one featuring john saxon yeah and he ends up uh Facing down Freddy and basically owning up to what he did, and he ends up getting killed, just like uh, several other people in the movie do. They face their fears and they die, but they did it on their terms instead of on his. Which again is another f- theme of the movie is facing your fears. Mm-hmm. So, your what's your low light? My low light would probably be the same thing. The, the Dream Skates, considering it's the Dream Warriors, weren't really that over the top especially compared to the first film which had a lot of really cool like the scene where she found um the guy in the jail cell killed when he, she first found him there yeah in the first movie yeah it kind of had different shots which kind of go into other shots is so it's like walking and, through a and, hallway and ending out somewhere else and then it's, it was like really grotesque in the first yeah, movie with was, the hanging yeah it was very inventive this one they seem to spend most of the budget on freddy's special effects like the scene where he tries to eat her whole which leads That's, me let's lead me to my my highlight of the film is that while I did not like the dreamscapes, mm-hmm. the deaths were all very imaginative, imaginative, yes. and very, very creepy, very tense. Like to give various examples, there's like I said, the boy who is marched out using his tendons as a, yeah. as a puppet and killed. Extremely gory. There's the uh, teen who wants to, after getting out, go to Hollywood and become a movie star. He's killed. She's killed by him smashing a TV onto her head and yelling, yeah. "It's prime! You're yeah. welcome to prime time, bitch!" Yeah. Yeah. You get. Um, the one who can't speak having tongues tying him over hell and being released and not mm-hmm. dying. And like I said, you have, spoiler, yeah. Nancy being killed by her father after after he finally comes to her and gives her, asks for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's all very imaginative, very hard-hitting It in all many comes ways. back around again. It's, everything is thematically linked. So like I said, there's a lot of uh, thought put into this one. Just and like it's very original. psychological because like I said, there's even the death of the... Uh, What's his name? Stanton. Will Stanton. Yeah. Uh, for the whole film, in real life, is in a wheelchair. Yeah. So in the dream world, he can walk. Mm-hmm. And his greatest nightmare that Freddy uses against him yeah. is a wheelchair. Yeah. And he actually, even though he does end up dying, he actually does overcome his fear. But and, he does, yeah. 
and he ends up fighting him again. On I, his would, own I wanted terms. to say the same for uh, the the drug using uh, teen who just kind of gets injected and her and her and Freddie kind of get off on it and they, and he and well they he die. uses that against her yeah. basically she doesn't really accept it that's the thing that's it she doesn't she doesn't welcome it with open arms and like I said that's a big thing with the movies facing your fears even if they kill you at least you face them basically mm-hmm. so so your highlight my highlight of the movie is basically. I like how everything closes in from the first movie. Everything carries over, and it feels like a logical continuation. That was my problem with Halloween 2. It didn't feel like that. The it, first 20 minutes of Halloween 2 did. After that, it basically turned into another movie. Another yeah. slasher movie. This one feels like... It feels like it, it logically follows over, and it leads to a logical conclusion. That's what I liked about it. Because you don't get that a lot with uh, horror movies when it comes to sequels. It's usually just a rehash of the original. This one didn't feel like that at all. And that's why I liked it a lot. What about you? What's your highlight of it? No, I already told you. It was like the imaginative, the imaginative oh, yeah. deaths. Um, so I'll I'll segue us along to the score. It's like mm-hmm. this one here. I, mean, I don't have as much trouble. I'm gonna say it's, a, it's a, I'm gonna say it's a straight up four. It's mm. like I'm not I'm not struggling with it. To say it's like oh it's a five. It's still that. It's not really that terrifying. Kind of mm. gross. Yeah, uh, but not not quite you, as it? tightly written as. Uh, Russ Craven's original script for the first movie. Well, that's probably because it was just him who wrote the original. Yeah, there's, there's, there's maybe too many characters, as you can tell by me reading off the cast list, because yeah. these were all quote unquote important people overall. Yeah, they and that were... was me leaving out people as well. Yeah, everybody in the film basically comes back around again to have some sort of relevance later on. Um, even with all that, but like I said, I would also give it a four. It, to me, it feels kind of almost the uh, equal of the original, which is very rare to say with these types of movies. I don't think. Actually, I don't think I've ever seen a horror movie where I, I like a sequel about as much as the original. Maybe Gremlins. Gremlins 2. I don't really consider those horror movies, though. Technically, they are. They're more horror comedies. But, yeah, as it is, though, I would highly recommend both of these movies. And, like I said, I would have we would have talked about his Wes Craven's third movie, but it's not really related to these movies. Except that it features the return of Helen Langenkamp. Heather. Heather. Yeah, Heather but Langen she doesn't Camp. play Nancy. It's... No, she plays herself. Yeah, it, if you've seen Scream, then you might know what type of horror movie this is actually actually is. But we kind of wanted to talk more about the original series. And this is... After this movie, they just devolved basically back into just being slasher movies. Wes Craven didn't have anything else to do with them after this. I don't think any of the writers in this one even did either. And the and the the sequel kind of does exactly what I hate with with bad sequels, where it invalidates everything that happened in the movie before it, and that's a way of pissing off your audience really badly. If you've ever seen Alien Three and you hate the movie, that's probably why you hate it, other than it just being a bad movie. But uh, that aside, I think that's all we got to say about these ones, right, Randy? That's it. All right. And with that. Happy, happy Halloween, 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 yeah. happy, happy Halloween, Cannon Cruisers. Yes, play us out random clip from an unrelated movie. <laughs> All right. That is my spirit animal, I guess. Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye and farewell and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. It's almost time, kids.
The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy Halloween.